0: Alrighty. G'day everybody. Welcome back to Paddlecast. Got a very special episode for you today. A man I'm very excited to talk about for a lot of reasons. Uh, this is a guy that lives in my neighborhood here, a bit of a local legend. And I always thought it'd be fascinating to chat with him because he's a professional ocean athlete, but I only very recently discovered he's had an extraordinary journey to becoming that, uh, professional ocean athlete. He's had a lot of setbacks medical wise, um, that would send most people probably to their grave, uh, So the fact that he's managed to have a professional career in what is arguably one of the most demanding, physically demanding sports you're ever going to come across. We're going to find out what that sport is, what he's had to go through, and what he's doing here in the studio today because he's got a pretty big race coming up in a couple of weeks. I'd like to welcome to Paddlecast, Jackson Maynard from the Gold Coast of Australia. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Excited and nervous at the same time. Mate, I don't know what you've got to be nervous about. With (laughs) what you've been through, a little podcast is nothing. But I know, um, but the whole setup's a bit like Jay Rogan, so it's like, I got the hair. Intimidating, I know. Yeah. Got the Same hair for Jay Rogan. Yeah. yeah. So good. Tell us. Um, firstly, for those that don't know, you've done a bit of SUP racing, and we're going to get into that soon. But yep. you're much better known. Your profession is in a parallel sport. Just tell us what the hell is an Ironman? Yeah. Um. All right. Yeah, I have done a lot of SUP races, not that
1: well, but yeah. The uh. I'm an I'm a professional Ironman at home in Australia in a professional series and it's not to be mistaken with um, the Ironman you see that do, you know, the Hawaiian Ironman triathlete kind of, what do you call them? Yeah. Just triathlon. So yeah, just triathlons. So
0: that's what Ironman is known as internationally. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, triathlon. But in Australia, it's a whole different sport.
1: Yeah. In Australia and, and some corners of the globe, it's surf Ironman, so we're racing in the ocean. Similar to a, you know, Battle of the Paddle style SUP event, where we're in and out of the break continuously uh, for around, you know, our races vary from an hour 10 to 15 minute sprint races. And they consist of a surf ski, a prone paddleboard, swimming, and then there's a run leg in between each of those legs. And we do them all all together combined, all three to four disciplines.
0: And just to explain, for people that aren't Aussies, <clears throat> in Australia, this is almost our national sport. I grew up watching yeah. your, uh, the guys that came before you, the previous generation, on TV every Sunday afternoon. It's a huge deal here in Australia. It's much bigger than stand-up paddling by oh, a long yeah, way. For sure. But for people outside of Australia, it's not as big of a deal. But um, you guys are you're professionals. You're full-time athletes, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're also – you work as a lifeguard in yeah. a day. So yeah. you're basically your whole life revolves around – being a lifeguard. Because yeah. this is essentially lifeguard racing, right? This started as a lifeguard thing.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. Surf fire saving was implemented, you know, way back in the early 1900s, basically, to save lives on the beach because was too many drownings. And then, obviously, the carnivals started, um, you know, my my surf club in Crumman Car- at Homes in its 100th year. So it's been around for a long time. The Vikings. Yeah, mighty Vikings. So, um, yeah, but, you know, once upon a time... These guys were the, you know, they were bigger than rugby league football, um, you know, much bigger than the AFL. Mm. And at one time, you know, they were the the pin-up poster boys for Australian sport. You know, guys running mm-hmm. around in their Speedos on the back of cereal boxes on every ad you can think of.
0: Grossing. That was that was the thing. Every cereal brand wanted to be uh, every, yep. associated with. I remember when I grew up, every cereal box had Trevor Hendy or Carla Gilbert, all these. these 100%. Careers.
1: Yeah, it was mental. And, you know, those guys back then were they were, you know, really professional, you know, they were nearly grossing a million bucks a year in, in prize money and sponsorship. So it was, you know. For much, going for a swim in the ocean. Yeah, just for, you know, straight up being, you know, oceanmen really, just doing all these different disciplines. And um, yeah, it was definitely the kind of the pinnacle of sport in Australia at that point in time in the early nineties. Um, but you're not earning a million
0: dollars a year. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. What happened to the sport? It's got, uh, uh, I wanna, I'll get into this in more in a second, but it's had uh, its ups and downs. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's probably some parallels with stand-up paddling. But before we get into what's going on in the sport and what's coming up in a couple of weeks, maybe you are going to be a millionaire soon, but um, <laughs> can we, we're going to try and get up a clip of you racing. Yeah. We looked through YouTube. We we ser- we had to search for a while to find your best race mate. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been it's been a rough 7 years, though. We're,
1: <laughs> we're going to go back a few years and um, I think that video might have changed too while we were talking about it.
0: Yeah, it did. <laughs> All so right. Well, um we might have to go back one. Let's have let's bring it up on screen. So this for people that don't know, this is Ironman. This is basically lifeguard racing, but we call it Ironman in Australia. So, um what are you watching? You boys do there's three different disciplines, or four different disciplines, right? Yeah, running, swimming, board, no, prime board, and surf ski.
1: What's
0: your uh, what's your specialty?
1: Oh, probably either you know the prime board or the the swim for yeah. sure.
0: Well, speaking of swim, I know this was one of your uh, this is one of your races. I think, that wasn't was, it? I think this is actually the wrong wrong round. Are we going back? I think it just like played out, and then we had to. I have to go back. All right, let's look for another one. Oh, that was it, mate. Was it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She had a shitty. There we go. She just didn't have the. Here you go. All right. So this is the clip I was looking for. So basically, your boys are doing um, prime paddleboarding, surf ski, a bit of a beach run, yep. and the brutal-looking one is the swim. Yeah. At least in my opinion, because I'm a terrible swimmer. This looks harsh. Yeah. It's um. And that's you leading the field out. Oh, uh, That's Shannon.
1: I'm probably sitting in like third right here. I just got hit by that thing that went around the cans. This day was actually about 10 degrees. Cans are buoy turns. Uh, yeah, buoys. The, the boys non-Aussies. non-Aussies, yeah. And Why do we uh, call them cans? I, I have no idea. But, something um, to do with beer cans? Yeah. I don't know, but as you can see here, it's ah. solid. You know, that's like four or five foot <laughs> Australian style Hawaiian. And this, is, this was your magic wave, right? You hold this all yeah, the way. I hold this. I'm kind of on the right here and just kinda keep my head down a bit longer than everyone else and get through the um get through the field and hold my breath a bit longer. On the right there, look
0: at this. How are you swimming on this thing? Yeah. It's like you're doing a swimming down window. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a bump. Yeah, it's it's years and years in practice mate.
1: Like it's um can you, can you give me the give me the che- the cliff notes? How do you actually what's the technique? Um that one I'm trying to keep like super streamlined. Similar y- to, to what like Michael Phelps would do on the water in the pool. Yeah. Be, the harder and stiffer you are with your arms in a streamlined position, the further you're going to carry on, like a, a green swell or you're going to pop out the front of a white water.
0: So you're just trying to make your body like a board, basically? Yeah,
1: stiff as a board, basically. And your body will, it, you know, you'll eventually come to the front of the wave, whether you you want to or you're <laughs> either going to go straight to the bottom and hit the sand. So um, it's a lot of body positioning too, a lot of, you know, keeping it, a fair amount of breath in the lungs and keeping your chest in the right position and using your legs and your arms to.
0: How do you breathe though? If That was a long runner. So you're going for like a hundred meters on these waves. Yeah. How, what's the technique with actually breathing? Uh, you just don't until you, <laughs> until you get an Seriously? opportunity. Yeah.
1: Like some, sometimes you'll be in a wave, you know, um, you could be going 50 meters inside of white water just holding your breath and you've basically just got to get to the front. Otherwise you just got to pull yourself off the thing. And it's, it's more of like a mental thing when it's like that, you've just got to be able to mentally be tough enough to hold your breath. And if not, then you, you might go from first to last in that manner of seconds.
0: So, so this is kind of like a, um, this is kind of like bop racing, like battle the paddle style racing, but just multi-discipline. Yeah, And for sure. it must be insane on your body. Like the, these you boys are going to be some of the fittest athletes in the world.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, you take into account as you can see me at the front of the boys just behind me. They're waiting. They're getting their legs up, going under, you know, three, four foot waves. It's 40 knots of, of a <laughs> Easter down in Victoria right now. And it's 10 degrees. That water's like. That's freezing cold. Freezing cold, and we're all and rucking you're in around the around. Yeah, we're in speedos, <laughs> in the nut huggers, and we're just <laughs> the fashion in Iron Man in Australia yeah. is a very special thing. Oh, it's it's different. Like you can't you can't really wear that <laughs> unless you're
0: sunbaking on the beach somewhere in Europe. You wear those around. You boys get a free pass. Yeah, this we get is a free this pass. is like 100%. this is fashion police on any other day in Australia. Yeah,
1: like me personally, I can't stand wearing them. <laughs> and at the moment, like in our professional what's, series. Why, is, why do
0: you wear them? Just tradition?
1: Oh, uh, just tradition, yeah. Like now, this year and previous years, we wore like jammers, like skins. Mm. So you wear, you know, like Covering a… Covering up a little bit of your Yeah, legs like there. boardies, but they're tight, you know, like spandex kind of.
0: But they're… Let's skip ahead. Where do you… Um, what's after the swim? So you're um, swimming for like 10 minutes yep. in the ocean. And that's just, what, a third of the race? Yeah. and He's we'll race about half an hour? The, uh, yeah, this one's about a forty minute
1: Whoa. I think it's about forty minutes, but this is kind of and like the transition.
0: You got everything lined up on the beach. All the skis, which are massive, they're basically like ocean surf skis. Yeah, they're, they're like 18, they're
1: like an unlimited stand up, you know, eighteen foot. And you got so here's the prone leg. So this is a ten six prone. And now. these are little
0: prones, right? These are kitty prones almost. Yeah.
1: So the ones that guys will do the channel on are unlimited, same as sizes as a um as a surf ski, eighteen foot. Yep. And then you have your 12 foot prone and then you have your 10, six, which are more designed for going out of in and out of the waves. Yeah. Because let's be honest. If I tried to take a 18 foot prone <laughs> into some four foot swells, I'm pretty sure my rudder would snap and I'd be swimming more.
0: So here you go, mate. Look at that. Yeah. You lost a couple of spots in yep. that leg.
1: Yeah, I know. That's, that's what I said to you before. I had <laughs> two of the greatest <laughs> nutri athletes, athletes, Ironman of all time, Ali Day and Shane Eckstein hunting me down. And, um, you know, for me, like when you're out in front, and the conditions are like that, it's it's nerve wracking. Like, yeah, the pain's not as bad because you're in front.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a. I like this technique here with the straps. Yeah, so you got and you actually wear these special caps that represent your club, right? Yeah,
1: for sure. That's what everyone you know. Everyone asks me, "Why do you wear those things?" Well, mostly guys from around the world. Like, why do you wear those things? And it's basically a representation of the clubs that we're from. So this is very. this sport's very club-based. Yeah, for sure. Like, you um, don't
0: compete. You compete individually, but you're essentially competing for your club a lot of the time. Yeah.
1: At the Australian titles, state titles and whatnot, we are racing for our club. In this, we're kind of individuals. Mm. Um, in our current series right now, we don't have our club caps on anymore. Yeah. This is the first time in a long time we haven't had to wear them. But um, as you can see, the guy leading right now, Shannon Eckstein, he's... The greatest sign of all time. I think he's won nine professional series races, like prof- like professional series. Sorry, so he's it's got... slightly
0: like the equivalent to win
1: a nine world title. Yeah, and then he's got world titles on top of that. He's got like seven Australian titles.
0: So there's world titles in this sport, but this is the pinnacle, right? Yeah,
1: if you can make this, you know, when I first got in in 2013, there was 15 guys in the entire world that made that and it was a six race series
0: similar to like the world surf league all that, you know, so it's like pro surfing, but even, yeah, even tighter. Oh yeah. Like half as many guys qualify
1: half as many guys from around the world. And, and, um, yeah, it was solid. It was tough. And it's, you know, dog eat dog. And like I said to you before, those new kids that will try and come in every year, younger guys and, and whatnot. It's, it's brutal, mate. It's, it's a demanding sport, and we've got to train three times a day for it. Otherwise, you're going to get yeah. Three get, times a day. Otherwise, you're getting your ass handed to
0: you. I was going to sure. say, every time I... Because we live just around the corner from each other. Every time I ride past the beachfront, I swear you guys are training still. Yeah, 100%. So, we're it's in, actually three times a day.
1: Yeah, like we're, we're in the pool at 5 o'clock every morning. And then you're either... Like me, I'm either going to work, and I'm training in my lunch hour. And then I'm going back to... um training in the other, whether that be like board or ski oh. in the afternoon. And we're trying to fit a run in during the day. And if you can, you can do a bit of gym to try and build up your muscle base. But if not, then you're just like, Oh, well, I'll try and fit in another day.
0: So, so where are we, this is, so you guys are literally professional athletes. Yeah, for sure. We don't get paid like professional athletes, <laughs> wow. but well, we used to, but not anymore. So all right, where are we in the race? This is a typical um, typical Ironman race. If you just join us on Facebook, folks, we've got Jackson Maynard here in the studio with us. A professional um, lifeguard from Australia who's in the very, very elite Nutri-Grain series, which is basically, it's a big deal in Australia. Yeah, They do some crazy ocean races. So you guys do a swim, you guys do a board, and it mixes up, right? There's different race formats. Yeah,
1: it's di- yeah different. Like this one's an M-shaped format, so we're going through every leg twice, which kind of gets a bit... I mean, on a day like this, it's exciting to watch for the public because it's four foot. But when right. it's
0: when it's half a foot, it's kind of it's a hard one to look at. How's the so, how's the soft sand run when you just absolutely there? You go, mate. Yeah, there we go. You're I there. think we're going you're into the ski leg. Ski leg, yeah, maybe. So what's um? How is it when you got to you're basically just destroying yourself out in the water, and then you've got to get up on the beach and run in the soft sand? Yeah, that must just destroy it. Yeah sure it's it, not mate, your favorite leg is it no
1: I, like i said before we started this thing that running is my most hated <laughs> thing i can't stand running i don't know why i'm quite fast like in a sprint yeah if anyone tries to you know if we have like a sprint finish at the end i'm, I'm quite fast yeah over the distance of a couple of kilometers or in the soft sand it's you know it just doesn't work for me I'm just I don't know, something about it, I just can't do it. <laughs> it's it's torture to me anyway, but, you know, guys like Ali and, um, you know, those lighter kind of guys, they really
0: excel when it's long, soft sand running. They're really moving. This is the part I like about the race is basically whenever there's swell. Like yeah. if it's four or five foot and the boys are charging back in from the cans outside and you can either just win the race right here or just kook it. Like yeah. even the you guys, the best athletes in the world, it's not easy to surf these things.
1: eh? No, no, for sure. Like the any in, you know, the littlest bit of white water gets under the rudder of a ski, and the thing's just going sideways, whether you like it or not. Like yeah. you've got no control once that rudders in the turbulent section of the wave, and it's eighteen foot. You know, eighteen kilos of ski that can and they look super unstable. Yeah, like let's look at Ali right now. He's about to fall in. And he's done a hell of a job to stay on that thing. Wow. And All
0: then right. you've got to pick it up and carry <laughs> it around the flag as well. just cruel. <laughs> Who invented this? Yeah. All right, let's skip ahead because you have a there big I finish. Am, yeah. oh, look at that, mate. Looking good in those speedos. Yeah. That poolie? Yeah, that pool. All right, let's skip ahead to the final leg because you have a bit of a heartbreak finish here,
1: don't you? Yeah, I kind of get... When I just told you I was kind of fast up the beach, I would just get <laughs> dusted. So maybe go back a little bit. To the, I mean, maybe go forward a little bit. Mm, yeah, maybe to there. So yeah, Shannon's about to take this
0: one out. He so this was is his like the Michael Jordan. Yeah, for sure. He's the guy that won nine. Yeah, he's won nine. Is series. he finally retired now? Or he has he retired. Still, yeah.
1: Last year was his last year. So giving you other boys a chance finally. I was stoked yeah. to get in. To the series for a couple of years and race him oh here you go come on mate lift those legs yeah and i get done <laughs> for my 500th fourth place in my career <laughs> is that your spot yeah i've actually never been on the podium in seven years in a professional series i've had a lot of fourths a lot of fifths you look pretty spent there yeah i'm pretty dirty that i got th- fourth again
0: nice close-up of the special fashion you boys wear look at that yeah the name on the butt all right so that is um that's that's iron racing, racing that's it. That's something very special to Australia. Yeah. And um, what's the, par- when did you get into SUP racing? What, what are the parallels? Or how did you get into it? Um, I remember I saw you probably seven, eight years ago at that yeah. Waikiki event with Jamie Mitchell. Yeah,
1: that was the first time I met you, yeah. Yeah. With Travis Grant. and um, Yeah, so I started doing SUP, um, yeah, years ago. I just kind of enjoyed it. It was something different. And, yeah. my, and my old man's a, a bit of a legend in the world of outrigger paddling. So, um, yeah, I think he's done the channel like 34, 35 times now. Yeah. He's won it twice in the six man. And, um, back in the early nineties when it was just the Hawaiians dominating. So he Chris kinda, Maynard. yeah, he Chris Maynard, my old man. And, uh, he kind of gave Trav the opportunity to come to the outrigger club and st- taught him how to steer. And basically Trav's like, an animal now, you know, he's won the channel. On so your on old every... man
0: taught Trav how to paddle. Yeah,
1: Travis Grant Yeah, when Travis a junior is a young kid 16 he come down to the at Riga club and he was a uh, In the surf club as well as a kid and yeah he just wanted to try something different and and dad taught him everything in knew. and They've done the channel together heaps of times and guys like Jamie Mitchell were paddling in the team back then um, You know, it was a good little community in Corrumbin and, and then Jamie obviously started, was still winning his, you know, his prone stuff and he started doing stand up and then Trav started doing stand up and I was like, well, I'm a good outrigger paddler and I'm a good Ironman, so I'll just have a crack, you know, yeah. started having a crack and I went over to Hawaii a couple of times, did that race where I saw you, um, the Quicksilver Festival and then I went and did like the Olokai races and Maui and I was like, this sport's amazing. You know what? Like, when do you ever just get to go and do a downwind run on a sup for a race?
0: I was just like, this is hell. We do have some pretty fun, yeah, for sure. We probably should focus a bit more on that. Yeah, doing a little bit too much flat water these days. Yeah, (laughs) being a heavy. What do you think? What do you think of the flat water races? Is that the equivalent of sand running? Yeah,
1: hundred percent. Like I don't. Yeah, I mean, I've done a couple. I went to Japan this year, and I mean, it had China, the ICF. And um, they're painful. They're, they're <laughs> gnarly. Like I don't, I don't get any enjoyment out of paddling in the flat, me personally. And um, but the You're very road, similar to Travis Grant, yeah, in that regard, 100%. And Travis, you know, Travis reiterated to me a hundred times. He's like, oh, I just can't match with those boys in the flat anymore. You know, he can. He's lying when he says he can't. But um, I just think he's getting older and. You know, maybe a bit lazier and just wants to go downwind and all the time.
0: Yeah. But I thought, you know,
1: when I first started, I thought every race was like that. You know, and then there was the, um, the what was it called then, the Battle of the Paddle back then. Mm. And that was super cool to watch because you know it's, it's similar to what I do at home. And I was that like, was basically our version of Iron Man. Of Iron Man, yeah. And it, you know, it made the boys hurt. That was a big transition back then. And you had, you know, going in and out of Dana Point or wherever it was, and it was like four foot. That was sick to watch. Yeah. Those years and Mo Freitas just teared them up and then you got your downwind Molokai stuff and that was like really appealed to me because I was like, you know, this sport's amazing. It's so fun. I'm standing up catching runners. And I don't have to be on my knees doing prone stuff <laughs> and I'm using a paddle and I had a little bit of success like in age groups at the and stuff like a couple of seconds and, and I was still doing the outrigger stuff at home so it was kind of cool to to jump into a different sport and see how they do
0: it. Yeah. And what's your uh, what's your thought on it these days? Um, Are you still, you were in China a couple months ago. Yeah,
1: I was in China. Are you um, going to race this year? Yeah, I'll definitely do a couple races this year. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Are you going to give the 12 towers a crack? Yeah, I'll do 12 towers. The last two years I've been injured before, just with bad shoulders or whatever, but this year I definitely want to have a crack at that and hopefully we get some wind and it's not flat. Yeah. Because that race is torture <laughs> when it's flat. Or if it's any kind of side chop. The Gold Coast is a big bay, and it cops a lot of different direction winds, so hopefully it can be a a nice little downwind for us.
0: Speaking of injuries, or going beyond injuries, you've had a pretty interesting ride, something I only just found Mm -hmm. out as well. Yep. You should be dead by all accounts. You've (laughs) had some pretty gnarly medical conditions. Not one, but I think there was three different things hit you all in a pretty short span of time. Yeah. Give us the... Summary. Oh, geez. Um, Yeah, I don't know about
1: dead. <laughs> I mean... Am <laughs> I well, being a little dramatic there? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. No, nah, it's... um, Yeah, not many people really know. I kind of did a little piece for Neutra Grain back in, you know, my first year in the series or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I don't really kind of... I don't really tell a lot. Like I don't voice it very much because I don't like the whole, you know, poor me... You know, Paul mm-hmm. Jackson, yeah. You know, uh, and I was like, Yeah, suck it up, mate, and get on <laughs> with it, you know. It's
0: a very Australian mentality. Yeah, exactly. But um, But it's a fascinating story. Oh yeah. I mean to go what you, to do what to go through what you went through and just come back and have a normal life is you know, that'd be impressive. But to come yep. back and be a professional in one of the most insanely demanding sports in the world is
1: Yeah. Um it's inspiring. Yeah, so when I was you know, when we were kids growing up, mum used to make us go get you know, for my first one, it was kind of like, mum used to go make us get skin checks every year. Cause for skin cancer. For skin cancers Yeah. Because my old man was in the sun a lot. So it was, you know, my granddad was my mum's dad who was um president of the surf club for like 17 years. So he was in the sun a lot. And he was the head lifeguard before, you know, the head lifeguard now. And um so mum used to make us go. And anyways, this one year, I just, I was 19 and she said, um, I was in with Dr. Portia Miller up at Mermaid and she came and got, took a biopsy, this little tiny freckle, like I kid you not, mate, I don't even, it's like when you dab a pen on the, it was a dot on my right calf and uh, took a biopsy Then four days later she called me and said, I need to take some more out of that one. And I'd had this kind of happen a couple of times before but it was nothing serious and then, um, yeah, two days after I went back in, she cut a fair bit out, got like six or eight stitches and then she came two days later. She called me and said, um, I need you to come back in tomorrow morning at this time. Um, we need to have a chat. You've actually got a stage two melanoma in your right calf. And I was just like. How'd you feel when you heard that? Oh, it just everything like sunk, you know, cause the word, when the word cancer gets brought up in any conversation. It's terrifying, especially when it's about you. Mm. You're just like, ah you know, and melanoma in Australia is not a thing to be trifled with, you know, it's the biggest killer I think in Australia at the moment. In cancer. I could be wrong, but you know, I've heard a lot of bad stories lately and um it yeah, kills a lot of people. It kills a lot of people around the world too. But, you know, Australia's got a, a harsh client with some the sun's a pretty powerful thing down here, so um yeah, so I did that um went in saw her the next day after that we had to go meet with a plastic surgeon because it was on my right calf and i actually have quite big calf <laughs> muscles like i've solid. all that sand running yeah i've <laughs> solid calf muscles so it was more like a we need to get this thing out but we have to go into a bit of your muscle to cut it out to make sure that there was no cells that broke off and if there was cells that broke off then it's you know it goes from a stage two to a stage three and then it's like we need to think about cutting out your lymph nodes and all these kind of things. So I'm just going in there as a 19 year old, just going, fuck, I'm shitting myself. <laughs> like I was really shitting myself. And um, yeah, went in, met with a plastic surgeon. And then four days later I was in, in hospital and she was cutting it out of me. So um, that one was a, like probably a solid month of recovery. She um, had to go into my calf muscle a little bit, and the scar is like 15 centimeters long, so it's like a, a solid, solid scar to, scar on my
0: calf. And so you couldn't walk after that. No,
1: I was I, I was so. in bed for like two week and a half, two weeks, just my leg up and all internal stitches. Um, and luckily, they didn't have to do a skin graft. Take skin away from my ass and put it on my leg because um, it didn't go as deep as they thought. So they They got all the cells, which was a positive thing. And, and then, yeah, it was like leg up for two weeks. So I didn't split the stitches and then, um, yeah. And then it took me like probably a month after that to be able to like run properly. I was running, but like not far because of the muscle was just like weird, like just wigging out because I was a little bit gone. So it was (laughs) like, I used to get real bad shin splints and like um, stress fractures in my shin because my calf muscle would tighten up so quickly for that kind of first year after that. So that was my first one. And I, right before basically every, all three of these medical conditions, I was trialing for the, to get into the professional series at home. And I was on the cusp because I, I had a lot of success as a junior. And, you know, I was like, I knew I could make it, you know. Mm. That was my goal of my entire life. Since I was like 10 years old, I was like, I'm going to be an Ironman and I'm going to be bloody good at it. You know, and then that was the first year. It was like six weeks before the trial to get into professional series. Melanoma. Exactly a year later, around exactly the same time, it was about six, five, six weeks out from the trial, and um, I was in the pool um, doing a swim set. We're doing kind of breath hold stuff, and it was in the warm up, and I finished the breath holds, and I was like, "Oh my god." my heart rate was at like 200 and i was doing my heart rate and i'm like i'm that unfit like how <laughs> am i i'm go- oh, surely i'm not this unfit that's all i thought i was like okay i got some work to do in 5 weeks if i want to make this thing and then all day after that i did the whole swim set i did it terribly cuz my heart rate was too high couldn't get it down all day i was walking around with a heart rate of like 200 180 all day like until i went to sleep and it had happened to me before at school, like just for like 15, 20 minutes, like super erratic. And I just thought I hated Mass or English or something. And I would just be like <laughs> sitting in class going, Oh, you know, what's going on here? Super high heart rate. And then that night, you know, I obviously told mum and dad, and then my dad was like, let's try and get some sleep, calm it down. And if it's bad in the morning, I'll, we'll go straight to the hospital. And then I woke up and didn't really sleep. Woke up and was still at like 180, 200. And I was just, I didn't know what was going on. So we went to the hospital and at the time I went and saw a sports doctor from the Titans. Because um, my uncle at the time actually owned the Gold Coast Titans. So it was convenient for us to go straight into the hospital, see him.
0: The local rugby team.
1: Yeah, the local NRL team here. And um, yeah, so that was kind of easier for us to do than go through the whole system and went straight in. Um, saw a cardiologist, Dr. John Muley and he, no, we did a lot. Of, they did a lot of tests cause they didn't really know what it was. Mm. And then he walked into my room and was like, oh, I know exactly what it is. And I was like, well, thank God. Cause I've been in here for a day <laughs> shitting myself in this bed. Can you tell me what's going on? And he was like, yeah, you've got this, you've got this syndrome called, um, Wolf Parkinson white syndrome or WPW. And, um, basically like I explained to you before the show. Everybody has three electrical nodes in their heart, connecting the top and bottom chamber, and I had a fourth one that went reverse, back up into the top from the bottom. So it basically makes you speed your heart, makes it go like do double what it's supposed to. <laughs> and um, is this a pretty
0: rare condition, um, or is this common?
1: I haven't really heard too many people that have had it. I'd never heard of it before. No, um, I think like one in thirty people around the world have it but they don't know and because yeah. i was training at such a high level and your body's so in tune with what's going on you can feel it a lot more mm. and it brings it on earlier in life it's normally you normally get it when you're over 60 yeah if people do get it you know and then um basically a week later i was in hospital to have heart surgery and um yeah that was a that was a terrifying
0: so you're what, twenty years old at this point? Twenty years old, yep. You were nineteen and you had cancer cut out. Yeah. You're twenty and you're going in for heart surgery. Yeah. And you're one of the fittest blokes in the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When you put it like that, it sounds it sounds pretty heavy, eh? <laughs> it was. Yeah. And then. Um, and then you weren't done. No. So I went and had an ablation on my heart. So it wasn't. I was lucky. It wasn't open heart surgery. So they just send cameras up through the main art, like the main arteries in your groin, to your heart and they burn it off essentially. And then, um, yeah, so I was in hospital for maybe, you know, a couple of days there, getting surgery and monitoring that. And then a year later or 10 months later, I was in the movies with my mates (laughs) on my day off. And I was like, my heart just went like way crazier than before, like, I couldn't, I can't explain what it's like. It's, it's super erratic, super slow. And then it's like stops. Like it feels like it's it misses a beat. So it restarts again. And I was just, I was like, oh no, here we go. This thing's come back. And I knew if the WPW come back, it was like proper open heart surgery to get this thing fixed. And I didn't want that. Um, and then went to hospital, was in there for a day and they told me I have atrial fibrillation. Which some, like, you know, a high percentage of the planet will have it when they're over 60. And mostly one in three people have it when they're over 80. But I just decided <laughs> to get it when I was 20. <laughs> and um, yeah, so um, it wasn't bad enough for me to have surgery on that one so i have medication that i have with me at all times that if i do have an episode i take that tablet and um yeah i'm Way still out. still got that one now
0: did you ever think you were gonna make a comeback into
1: no no um no there was times there when i was you know in i was just super down all the time after those ones i was like i oh, you know
0: how long were you out for what was the recovery um
1: for both of them, the two surgeries, it was like a month and a bit, you know, before I started really getting into it, the heart one was different because it was more like you've been hit by a truck mm. for a long period of time for a couple of weeks and it, you know, it, that stuff messes with your body. And, um, yeah, but there was times where I was like, all right, the dream's over, mate, you know, you you might never make the professional series. And cause I wanted to get into it so young and I had the opportunity and these three years where I thought they were probably my best years as a young guy, because you don't feel pain when you're a kid, right? Well, you do, but not when you, compared to when you get over 25. So this l- is
0: all happening in your peak, basically. Like when you were yeah. going to make your assault on
1: this Yeah, when I was going to make pro my series. assault. Yeah. Like I'd got third in the in the Open Australian titles that summer. And um, I was like, here we go. And like, let's go. And I was ready to go. And then all that stuff happened. And I was just like, oh all right, it's over big fella. Like, <laughs> let's just try and make some finals and get back. And, you know, I was feeling pretty down for myself. And, and then my old man was kind of like, dad can be pretty blunt when he wants to be, cause he's old school. And he was like, mate, suck it up. You know, <laughs> there's always, and the one thing that he said to me always sticks with me forever is like, there's always someone worse off than you. you mm. No matter what you're going through, there's always someone that's doing it worse. You know, whether they're, actually dying of cancer or they've got, you know, they're living on the street or the, you know, there's always someone worse off on the planet than yourself. Mm. And he's like, look what you've got, you know, look what you can still do. Just man up and have a crack. (laughs) So then that following year I was like, your dad sounds like the most Aussie guy. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's super sympathetic, but at the same time he's like, you know, rip in mate, Stop (laughs) stop being a pussy. And, um, yeah. So, so is my mum too. My mum's a tough lady, you know, she's the mm. sweetest, most gentlest person, but you know, mom, I'm sick. Or like, no, you're not, you'll be fine. <laughs> Come on, let's go. And I, I probably wouldn't be the athlete I am without them for sure. But, um, yeah, that following summer, you know, with their help and got me to training and whatnot and helped me get through it. And Kelly Margots is actually my coach at the time before really he was into his massive sup stuff and, um, yeah, he we trained hard and put my head down and bum up and I made this made the series that summer. Wow. Yeah. So I can yeah, I kind of achieved my goal of what I wanted to do when I was a little kid, but yeah, I was
0: yeah, it was for a while that was a bit dicey. Was it impacting your performance? Like did you have to hold back at all? Um Do you ever feel when you're out there and you know you your heart must be redlining you're like shit, maybe I shouldn't be pushing it? Um with the with the one I've got
1: now, I don't think it will kill me. I mean, there's chances of it like stroking you out, like you're having a stroke, but that's pretty rare in a fit person. Um, I had a couple of episodes a couple of months ago where I was like, had to go see my specialist again because I had to take the tablets and it kind of knocks you around a bit. Mm. But yeah, other than that, I don't really think about it, you know, if it's going to kill me, it's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, I don't really... I'm always doing paddle backs for myself or, you know, I'm in the middle of the ocean with nothing, so, I mean...
0: So you clearly clearly haven't let it stop you? It's not holding you back?
1: No, no. Has it pushed you? Like, um, has it
0: pushed you further?
1: Yeah, you for sure. It's definitely made me more resilient. Definitely. Mm. I think um, some weeks when I'm just being a sook and I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is tough and, you know whatever and then you know dad or dad or someone you know my coach michael king who's an amazing coach it would just be like you know really is it that bad <laughs> you know is it is it as bad as what you've been through or can you get through it and I'll be like, yeah yeah all right. yeah, you got me all right and then it's back to the, back to training you know it's kind of it it makes you it makes you tougher definitely but it it's always in the back of my mind a little bit, for sure. Well,
0: it sounds like you've surrounded yourself with people that have helped you get through it. Yeah. I really? mean, yeah. sometimes Definitely. very bluntly, but um, I'm <laughs> <Very> guessing <bluntly. laughs> you wouldn't be where you are without those people around you. Yeah. Where Where are you now? Where am I? What's the, what's the deal with this? Because we talked earlier about in the 90s, people were, you know, these athletes were basically millionaires from this yeah. sport. It was a massive big deal. Massive, yep. Yeah. What happened to the sport? Where is it now? I don't
1: know. I, th- I think just um, without trying to get myself in get
0: trouble. Don't, don't get into in too much trouble. No, you? no. We won't go into the politics.
1: <laughs> no, we won't go into politics. We'll be here all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... So th- SUP isn't special? No, SUP's not special, Every mate. sport's got its, don't its you politics. Worry. If anything, sup's, sup's, e- like, SUP's easy to manage, I think. but. Yeah. I think, yeah, our sport, it's just gone from the top of what it was to basically the bottom now. And I'm just unlucky that I was born in this period. (laughs) And so was a lot of guys, you know. If Shannon Eckstein was the greatest athlete of all time in our sport or Ali Day, Mm. you know, those guys, if they were born 10, 15 years earlier, you know, they would be the Trevor Hendys and the Grant Kennys that the guys are known all over the planet for what they do in Australia. They're still household names. You know, I still get like... Trevor Hendy was on Baywatch. Yeah, he was on Baywatch. Like, that's how big the boys were back then, you know? I still get, like, not elderly people, but, you know, older guys, like, in their 50s and 60s, like, oh, is it Grant Kenny still racing? <laughs> and I'm like, yep, <laughs> mm-hmm, yep, Grant's like 59, but, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> probably not. Sorry, GK, for listening to this. but Yeah, like, yeah, it was massive back then, and, and now it's just kind of taken a slump whether that's due to people not really um caring anymore i mean it's live on spot at fox at the moment on fox so it's still on
0: tv yeah you're not doing too bad no you're still a mile ahead of stand-up battling yeah oh
1: yeah but yeah like you said it's it's been it's a long history this sport and Mm. people still enjoy watching it when it's big yeah but if it's dead flat and we're doing an hour 10 iron man it's kind of punishing to watch it's like watching a flat water Mm. race in, I don't know, Germany or something and it's a 15k race and Boothies gapped the field <laughs> in the first 5k and you're like, all right, well, he did what that a am few I going to do the Savo? Like start thinking about your day because you're like, I don't know if I could watch this anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what, pe- that's what it's come to in the Australian public and I, and I think too, social media has had a lot of impact on that. The attention span of people now is a mm. lot smaller. Mm. Like when I was a kid, I used to videos have every race, watch it religiously over and over and over. Yeah, watch Zane Holmes and Shannon and Kaihurst guys just going mental, and just try and mimic what they did. But now, it's like, oh, can this be shortened down a bit? Like, you know, can mm. it be a fifteen minute race, and can we just do it? Can people just do it once? And if it's five foot, that'd be sick to watch. But if it's not, then don't worry about it. Yeah, that's what I think,
0: and I think the marketing side of our sports really dropped, but. I mean. So what are the parallels? You're a professional Ironman, lifeguard racing. You've dabbled quite a bit in sub racing. Yeah. Where, where are the similarities? Like in terms of what happens to the structure of the sport, like what can we learn from surf life saving? Um, I think surf life saving has got such a
1: big base because of our junior programs, like yep. our nippers, which is like junior surf life saving. You start when you're six years old and you go the whole way. So I'm, I'm nearly 28 now. So that's a longevity in the sport. And you learn as, as a young age, the fundamentals of it. Mm. I think the SUP, sup paddling is so new that it's only really appealing to like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the mid to older generation, mm. because. We definitely
0: struggle getting kids into this sport. Yeah,
1: definitely. And that's, that's the one thing I notice when I go to SUP events. I'm like, oh, there's no kids. Or there's no kids there watching. There might Mm -hmm. be because their parents might be involved in a Masters race or whatever. But when I turn up to a professional series race on the beach, it's just kids. Like, they're losing it. Kids watching. Yeah. yeah. They're just, like, hanging over the fence, want to be high-fived, autographs nonstop. Like, it's just, it's like they're their idols. And I Mm. think that's the one thing that SUP doesn't have is a small... I mean, so he's a big youth base, looking up to guys like Boothie or Lincoln or mm. Connor Baxter or Kyleany, you know, those guys. And it's to me, it just appeals to, at the moment, to the guys that are like over thirty.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, we definitely need more kids. I
1: think that's the only two two differences I can see. I think stu- I think SUP paddling's a a super hard sport. Like I really mm. do. I mean, you think that I do four disciplines within a race, but I still hurt probably more doing a SUP event.
0: Yeah? Yeah, 100%. You mean it's more taxing?
1: More taxing on my body. I don't know
0: if it's on anyone else's. But I'm sure the SUP boys would say the same if they had a crack at the uh,
1: the Ironman. Oh, 100%. But that's just a different, you know, I've been doing that since I was six years old. So for me, it's not easy. But, I mean, it comes easier. Whereas paddling Mm. on a SUP you know, I'm standing up, my lower back's killing me. (laughs) My legs are killing me. My lats are trying to, you know, if I want to make a move on a sup, I've got to think about eight different things. Where if I'm paddling on a ski, I'm just like, all right, I'm lifting my rate and I'm going. Yeah. You know, but on a sup, it's more technical. It's harder on the body. I think standing Mm. for well over an hour. Some days you do the channel and it's like over three hours. So. Yeah.
0: Our races are long.
1: Yeah. And then you do what you did with the Yukon and the, 11 cities <laughs> and stuff like that and then you're just like what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know? I'm not doing that.
0: You're not coming to Canada? No, nah, lo- I would love to. It looks like an amazing you air. know Trav Trav's joining us oh. in the boat So uh, I might actually have to go see your old man and get some tips because yeah. I never bloody paddled sitting down
1: Yeah, well, yeah go see my old man. He's he knows what he's doing, but yeah that kind of those ultra races what you guys do I don't um, yeah that it does, appeals. doesn't to, appeal. to No, you? it does appeal to me, but I just, you're just not doing it. <laughs> no, I, I just know that my body wouldn't stand up against that. But yeah, like I I think the first time I realized that was such a hard sport was my first APP race in Japan, probably like four years ago now. Yeah. Or three years ago in Anishima. And um, I actually rang Trav and said, Hey Trav, I'm going to, um, APP in Japan. I was like, how do you reckon I'll go? You know, and he was like, oh, you're going to get smacked. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up just said to me, no, mate, you're just be prepared. It's Trav's very Aussie as well. Trav is a very straightforward guy. Yeah, he is. And he just straight up said, look, mate, you're going to get your ass handed to you. You're going to have to deal with it. And I was like, oh, okay, shit. (laughs) So I went there and it was just so happened to be, it was 40 knots of dead side wind the entire time. (laughs) And I was having the worst day. Like it was just, I finished that race and was like, oh, well, that's up for me. (laughs) I'm not coming back to this thing. Because I was literally in so much pain, like my whole body was screaming for an hour. Yeah. And then Boothie, talking to Boothie afterward and Lincoln, and they were just like, oh, and that was so hard. That was one of the hardest ones we've done. And I was like, oh, thank (laughs) God." Alright, well I might have to and then I took some yeah. So
0: some, you didn't retire at that point?
1: No, nah, I took some definite time away from the sport, that's for sure. Yeah. Reevaluate if I wanted to do it again, but
0: what's been your funnest sub race? Funnest one? Your most enjoyable. Or your best.
1: Oh, it's gotta be like the oh, Olky for sure. Yeah. That thing's straight down wind. it's like the best downwinder in the world probably. It's, is it? I don't know.
0: It's be, it'd be It's close. right, it's
1: bang on there. It's a but, good one. But um Either that or the Battle of the Paddle style ones like them. But Mm. China was fun. The ICFs. um, Imagine if that race had
0: waves. Oh, God. That That would have been the bop again.
1: Yeah, exactly. It would have been like, you know, those years that Moe kind of got away. and They're the best ones to watch. Mm. And I think, like, if you can keep doing those with the surf races, with the beach starts, with the finishes where dudes are sprinting each other up the beach and girls are like, you know, there's four chicks on a wave and they've got to get off and run together it's just exciting viewing yeah and that and the downwinding i think super cool for people to watch that might just be me because I, I like that stuff but <laughs> i like watching guys you know pick their line and get the little bumps and it's kind of hard to do as downwind right because it's so
0: spread out it's hard to cover it yeah hard i mean to watch it so for someone in my position the, b- the bop races are amazing they're so e- they're the easiest races to cover mm. you don't need a boat you're just standing with a good camera on the beach and you can cover the whole race yeah 100 percent. and it's very exciting yeah, it's good to watch. But speaking of um, Bob style racing, mm-hmm. there's a very special race coming up in a couple of weeks, just up a few hours up the coast, on the sunny coast. INX, it's the richest race in the history of stand up paddling, at least in Australia. Yep. A, it's not purely a SUP race. You'll tell us the format in a minute, but there's 100,000 Aussie Dolls in the line. It's almost the richest race in the history of our sport.
1: In, in SUP?
0: Yeah. Is I mean. It- Aussie dollars are kind of monopoly money. So yeah, I, think, yeah. I think Red Bull's 75 US, I think is just over it. But yeah. basically, I'd say this is probably the second richest race in the history of anything to do with SUP. Okay. And no one outside of Australia probably even heard of it. But what is Iron X?
1: Um, so basically, they've just taken their Ironman format with all three legs. So what we were watching earlier. What you were watching earlier and put a SUP leg in there. And instead of what you saw before, where we were running around in the soft sand, they'll have. Um, crossfit style transitions. So that's like tire flips, monkey bars, <laughs> dead ball throws. Um, yeah. Like you car- excited about that leg cargo nets. <laughs> like, yeah, it's pretty intense. So like what, what they're trying to make us do, but, um, yeah, I'm excited. It'll be good. It'll be, uh, like I said to you before, I don't know who's going to win. I've got no idea. Well, there's
0: zero form guide. Yeah. This is 100%. basically crossing over two two parallel ocean sports. It's never really been done. There's been kind of similar, like that Waterman race in Hawaii was yeah. a little similar, which you won, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You beat Link there. Um. In, yeah, yeah. In 2012, on your, your yeah. first ever Waikiki race. Yeah, yeah. So basically, you combine these two sports, you've got the world's best ocean paddler like iron man paddlers mm-hmm. and you got a handful of the world's best sub athletes. Yeah. Boothie's gonna be there. Link is gonna be there. Yeah. Um and James Casey now too. Jimmy got a call up. Yeah, Jimmy Casey. So uh
1: it'll be interesting, you know, Lincoln and Boothie are both surf club background. Lincoln's still doing a bit of Iron Man stuff. Boothie's kind of just doing a bit of more ocean ski paddling as well. So as they know surf. this they know how to yeah, do all this they thing. know it. Yeah, they've done this since I was six years old as well, we know. Um,
0: Which is why they're such good sub-paddlers.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, you know, contributes to why they've been so successful. And so, same with Trav too. I think the best bit about when Boothie came into the sport in Lincoln, um, they just knew how to train. Mm. They knew how to, like like, train like professional athletes and really go to that whole nother level and then it shows in their races, you know, yeah. like what crazy animal just goes <laughs> and tries to break the field straight up in a 15 K race. Yeah. In dead flat, Like he just goes and he's like, oh, I'm fit enough. That doesn't bother me. So he just keeps going. And I think that's like a testament to his training as well. Mm. He's an animal when it comes to that stuff. And yeah, like I said, they've done those things since I were kids and, They've both tried to make the professional series before, mm. um, and they've both come very close.
0: So, so Boothie and Lincoln were pretty high-level yeah, Iron Men to begin for with, for sure. So they're going to have a pretty good crack at winning this. Though. Yeah, yeah. What's your uh, and there's a lot of money on the line: a hundred grand, twenty-five thousand dollars, twenty-five grand for first. Again, it's Monopoly money if you're yeah. listening from America, but yeah, or Europe, it's still pretty solid.
1: Yeah, it's it's massive
0: for us. It's basically. That's like six months of an average wage in Australia, of a good average wage. Good ja- yeah,
1: for sure. Um, yeah, it's big money. It's big risk in running the event too. I don't think anyone knows how it's going to go.
0: Um, we've T- met- Tell us about that for a second because there was a bit of controversy. You yeah. don't have to go into the, the saga that went down <laughs> on Facebook or wherever, yeah. but there was a few people that weren't too happy about SUP basically coming into what is a very, very traditional sport. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah,
1: it uh it wasn't it wasn't taken very well when, <laughs> when Surf Life Saving decided to put us up and CrossFit into a, a traditional Ironman, um, style races, but without getting myself in trouble, <laughs> again, um, it is what it is, mm. you know. I can't make the decision for them. They can't make the decision, and no matter how much, you know, we don't want it in the professional series as this style of event i think it's an amazing format as a one-off mm. and maybe one-off race every year i'm not sure but well that's the thing nobody's nobody's seen it no well like like i said to you i don't know how it's going to go you know I, I might think these guys are going to kill it and then it's just like a total random dude comes out of nowhere and just wins it but because you know you've got this crossfit stuff in it, so it's going to play a lot of factors into how, you know, how badly that stuff really hurts you.
0: Are you still doing the, um, wasn't there going to be like a breath hold?
1: Yeah, there's still a breath hold between each swim. So what you saw on TV then, what you saw in the Ironman racing, when you get to the can, there's going to be like a rope section, like two kind of boys, 20 metres apart for the men, 15 for the women. And you've got to turn that can like you just saw, hold your breath underwater for 20 metres, come up, and then swim back in and then do that twice. Swim back into the beach, then all the way back out to the can and do it again.
0: That's in the swimming lake. Are they basically just making this as hard as possible? For as hard as possible, yep. This sounds brutal.
1: I know. And if you don't complete that section underwater, you've got to do a 100-metre penalty swim. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean that's what I mean. No this just one,
0: sounds like one of those ninja warrior or something shows. Yeah, it just sounds like it's designed to absolutely
1: wreck you. Like uh, that's what I mean. You don't know what it's going to what it's going to take on your body. The toll it'll take going into the you know the Ironman legs. Like us guys might be super you know well established in the Ironman world, but as soon as we do this stuff in the on the CrossFit those legs that we're really good at might suffer a lot. Mm. So it might bring the guys like Lincoln and Boothier who hasn't done it in a while back up to where we are. Yeah. Because, you know, our swim or our ski or our board might not be at the level that it should be because we're really hurting because we haven't done these things before. Yeah. But hopefully
0: it hurts them just as much as us. Have the boys been practicing sup? Cause there's what 12, 14 athletes, 12, 14 yeah. men, 14 Four. women. Yeah. And I'd say 10 of them are pure iron men. Yeah. Have visual. they been? Have they been practicing sup?
1: Um, I couldn't actually I tell so.
0: you. I, I actually don't know because I don't. You know, it's not like sup where you boys train, train together. together. You just no, in your, your we're individual all clubs. different clubs.
1: Yeah. So there's like fifteen clubs along the Gold Coast, and you know, just Madrid, on the coast. Just on the coast. Yeah. How many? How many clubs are in Australia? <sighs>
0: you
1: would ask me some question like this. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> you know, I'm the stats
1: guy. I'm going to say. Cancer. I'm going to say. Well. Over
0: two hundred, yeah, maybe. And each of these clubs have got hundreds of hundreds of thousands of members. So when you go just to get sidetracked for a second, the Aussie titles, the yep. Aussies, which is like the it's the Super Bowl of Ironman lifeguard competitions, right? Mm-hmm. How many people are how many athletes are competing in that week or so? Uh,
1: it's like an
0: Olympics, yeah. Yeah, it's like over seven thousand. Wow, seven
1: thousand
0: athletes, and that's just the ones that qualified all the way through to the Aussies. No, you don't have to qualify. No? You can just turn up. So how many people would comp- how many people would participate in this sport on a semi-serious level? On a semi-serious level? Around Australia. All 7,000 of those people. Yeah. That come to the
1: Aussie titles are like they've been training all year. I yeah. think. Yeah. Otherwise you just wouldn't turn up, you know. Some some guys do it or girls do it just for like the social side of it. Mm. But basically everyone that wants to race at Aussies is, is racing to try and make a final. So to make a final at the Australian titles is a big deal. So there's
0: 7,000 plus yeah, whether, serious athletes in this from sport. From
1: juniors to masters, you know, the numbers probably go further and further than that. I don't know. I c- Cause
0: in SUP in Australia, you could, if we were being generous, you'd probably say there was <laughs> 150 serious athletes in this yeah. sport. I mean, there's plenty of people that just do it for fun and they're not bad, but, in the, the ones that take yeah. it seriously in Australia, be a couple of hundred. Yeah. So life saving is massive. Here. Massive.
1: Yeah. And then you got like the nippers,
0: the juniors, the, the little kids, juniors,
1: little kids from like six years old to 13. And I know for a fact, like Corumman's got over 3,000 nippers. 3,000? 3, Sorry, not, sorry, 300. 300. Over 300. It's not 3,000. 3,000. I was about to say, <laughs> Jesus. Sorry <laughs> about that. Yeah, three, 300 kids every Sunday down the beach. Wow. Doing it. And that's like Northcliffe's got more than us. up. Surf is paradise.
0: So every, there would be more than 10,000 kids yeah. around Australia yeah, every weekend just going and having a crack. Oh,
1: well over 10,000 for sure. But the that's big, the base you're talking about. Yeah, they're the they're the kids, like the little kids. There's kids in Newport. <laughs> Sorry, um three hundred and fourteen clubs. Three hundred and fourteen. You should remember that one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so that's um like down in Sydney, their numbers are massive. Like mm-hmm. they're bigger than up here, I think. Especially down on the South Coast, New South Wales and stuff. So that's a big base for SUP to try and catch up to if that's how they want to be, you know,
0: successful in. Creating a big sport. So it's all coming from I mean, you got the tradition that we don't have. It yep. Goes back a hundred years, which is a huge bonus. Yeah. But it's basically the kids. The kids, yeah. That's why the sport's so big. The kids love it. They just live and
1: breathe it every day. So we they, gotta get kids into SUP. Yeah. Why do they sp- why
0: do they love doing nippers? And what would could we get how could we get more of them to do SUP? Um what was the appeal of nippers when you were a kid?
1: Just being at the beach and Training. Like just I don't know, just surfing, meeting like new kids from school that would, you know, they'd be like, oh, you, are you did in you and you're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna join. And yeah. You'd be like, oh, sick. Then you just like start meeting new people as a kid. So it's like a it's, social. It's like a kids. social little thing, and they just all have fun with each other and muck around. And it's not super. There is super like state titles and there's super competitive aspects of it, but majority of those kids are there just to have a hell time with their mates. (laughs) Like, it's just like a Sunday morning. You go, you rock up down the beach, you start at nine o'clock and it's, you know, you just break off into your little age groups and you got all your buddies with you and you're just going in and out of the waves, catching waves, finish. And you get like a can of Coke and some lollies and a bacon egg roll. (laughs) And your parents are up there like socializing with the other parents. And it's kind of like a little, like a little community kind of thing. Mm. And that's how you just, You know, if you want to take it a bit more seriously, you can. And then you can go to the trainings, training sessions of a a Monday, Wednesday or Friday Arvo or swim training. And it's kind of like what I was doing when I was a kid. But that's how they build such a big base and they keep everyone so involved. It's because they just, you know, it's just friendships and it's just a community of
0: people. Mm. And you have these amazing... There's an amazing thing that SUP is gonna struggle to ever have, which is the surf clubs themselves. Yeah. Which are like for the whole town, that's a gathering point. Like our one down here in Crumbin is very famous because it's built basically yeah. on top of the ocean. It's on a rock on the yeah. sand. That it one's is, different, yeah. That's, that's a pretty special clubhouse. Yeah.
1: It's basically in the water.
0: Yeah. At on the King Tide. On the King Tide, like this morning, it's
1: it's in the water. <laughs> um and then when it you It becomes a, an island, right? Yeah. On and when you swells. have a cyclone, you can't get into the joint because there's <laughs> Two foot of whitewater coming through the car park.
0: I am going to just try and uh, keep telling me about that. I am going to try and bring up a picture of this because this is a very, very special club down here in Karrumbin. It's mm. um, I ride past it every day on my way down here to the studio, and yep. you train down there basically all day every day, all day every day. But um, what that's like, it's that's a very special thing, not just for the the pat like the athletes, but yeah, the whole town. Everyone goes down there. Like, there is a bar and a restaurant and everything. It's like yeah. the focal point of Karrumbin almost is Karrumbin Viking Surf Club
1: yeah and i think every little town will have their surf club
0: and you know whether that's chugan
1: um snapper down at you know rainbow bay down there up at surface paradise it's kind of a place where everyone from the area just kind of like you said just hangs out mm. you
0: know
1: there won't be many days that i don't go up to the restaurant if we go up there for a beer with, with the boys after training or um you know you gotta get a feed with someone that i don't know at least 10 people in there, mm. whether they're old past members that are just old boys having a, you know, catching up for the beer every Friday night or whatever they do, <laughs> there's plenty of them down there. Or they're just going for a fee with their family. Like it's, it's a, it's like a proper community and every little, per, and every person from that community will use that club as like a little base. Like, oh, you know, you, you might get a text message from like cover guys you haven't seen in a while like, oh, where, where do you just want to go catch up? you like, oh, let's meet you at the surfy. Mm.
0: And then it's like, all right, see you at the surf club. Yeah. And that's just where you go. So it, that has a flow, a huge flow and effect, I'm sure, to the health of your sport, right? Yeah. Like, you've got, you got a lot of bases in that sport. A lot of bases, yeah. And the surf clubs make, you know, they
1: generate a lot of money
0: too. Mm. Here's a through. shot on the right here if you're watching this podcast. Um, there's a classic shot. That's basically the surf club built into... A famous rock mm-hmm. elephant rock yep and you can see like the view from the restaurant is you just yeah. looking straight out onto the ocean it's it, pretty special
1: yeah just so everyone knows not every surf club <laughs> is like that in Australia we're like, pretty cr- spoiled cr- here yeah.
0: in, here in Carumbin
1: like it's pretty spectacular place to have a surf club and you would never ever get a permit to put a club there
0: yeah, look at that. yeah
1: it's like when sexy. when my granddad was president way back when he joined in the th- you know, early forties, there was just a tin shed mm. on the rock where the yeah. club is. You know, that's how they, they always just go down there and swim. Yeah. Look at that. That's, that's what happens
0: in a cyclone. If you're watching this, you can see basically the surf club becomes an Island. They have to shut the place yeah. down. If anyone got a bit drunk the night before and <laughs> took the courtesy bus home, their cars yeah. <laughs> get flooded. <laughs> uh, there was this one,
1: one year this solid cyclone came through and, um, the cleaner was actually cleaning the surf club in the early morning and had their car. If I don't know if you can see the gap in between the fence there Mm. and the surf club, it's like a 10 meter gap and she was cleaning the surf club and her car got taken by a wave out that hole and it was found down the beach. Wow. Like three or 400 meters down the beach.
0: And it's a good aerial shot of it there.
1: So a bit goes on there (laughs) when it's, (laughs) Yeah, It's over six foot. <laughs> Seems like a logical
0: spot to put a building. Yeah. You'd never get that past again. <laughs> but going back to INX before we wrap up, because I know you've actually got to go back there and be a lifeguard in about 20 minutes. Yeah. But, um, INX is coming up on Australia day, right? Australia day. Yep. What's the, um, run us through quickly the format and what can you expect? And can we watch it? It's going to be live. Or yeah, it'll be live. Is on Kelly going to be down there with his phone live streaming? He told me he was going
1: to come up, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, is it going to be live on cable here? It'll be live on Fox, yep. yeah, Fox Australia from I think it's two to four.
0: You reckon we'll be able to share it or watch it or like replay it for everyone around the world?
1: Yeah, it'll definitely be replayed um, somewhere. I, I couldn't tell you where or KO on your on your phone. So it's up um, in Australia.
0: What is it? It's basically two weeks from today, yeah, two weeks.
1: Much. Yep. From yeah, it's Monday, twenty seventh. Yep. Um, yeah. So, like I said, it's a different event. We've never done it before. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know how I'm going to go. Um, but I think, I'd
0: say you got to be one of the favourites, mate.
1: Yeah, everybody. don't be, be modest <laughs> over there. You've
0: been paddling now on a sup for eight years. Mm. You've had you've competed against all these boys. You're not at Boothie level, but you're not far behind. And then in the Ironman, you've got you got to be feeling confident against those boys. Just a little bit confident. Yeah. Come on, mate.
1: I don't know. I don't, I don't like saying that stuff. <laughs> I'll but say it for I mean, you. I'll
0: say it for you. I reckon you go to start one of the favorites. I'm very, very curious to see how Boothie and Lincoln go because they do have very solid backgrounds in what you do. Yeah. But the fact that there's basically three legs that would maybe favor you guys and one leg that would maybe favor them, it's a little bit tipped, I'd say, towards the Iron Man boys. Yeah. I guess the big X factor is in the whole name of the event, Iron X is this crazy beach transition where you're doing like Ninja Warrior CrossFit. Yeah. Holding your breath and swimming underwater like madmen, but um, <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to see. I'm very very curious to see how it goes down, and I think it's very exciting as a sup guy to um to see our sport kind of in this arena because yeah. like we've been saying all morning your sport in Australia is fucking ten, a hundred times bigger than our sport.
1: Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, I don't I don't like saying that I'm close to being a favorite, but thank you for saying that.
0: Well, there's only 14 of you guys on the line, mate. You can yeah, yeah. you're going
1: to you're going to crack top 10, I'm sure. I, I I would hope so. If I don't, <laughs> I should probably not suck puddle anymore <laughs> either, but uh I uh, yeah, you don't know how it's going to go, but it'll be interesting to see who does do well and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the event run, like the event is run to um the actual like I said before, there has been a lot of controversy regarding this race and the Ironman series. Mm. Um, Personally, I'm an Ironman first and I'm going to do this race to do it because I think it's exciting. Yeah. And whether that was 10 bucks on it or there was 25 grand on it, it doesn't really bother me. I just think it's something cool because I, you know, I love doing those different events all over the world. So, um, the CrossFit stuff's new for me. It's new for everyone. Something new for a lot of iron Men and iron Women. And I think if they apply themselves and everybody applies themselves to trying to learn these events, it'd be like one of the sickest races ever
0: to watch, mm. right? It could be the beginning of a whole new sport. Yeah, it could be.
1: Or, or it, could <laughs> be, it could be absolutely torture to watch and you don't know how it's going to go, but I've got my money on it going, it looking pretty good. Yeah. And it... You know, for the public to watch, it'll be exciting. You know, it's going to be a different thing to see instead of you know, twenty guys just sprinting past you at a rate of knots in the middle of a soft sand leg. Mm. You know, they've got to slow down and think about what they've got to do next. So,
0: yeah, have you yeah. been able to? Have you been training? Do you know the exact format? Um,
1: we do. We've been given like a, a detailed brief of
0: how every leg is going to play out ahead of time. Yeah, so that's something Sup could learn from. Yeah, sport. not being definitely. told 10 minutes before the race what you're doing.
1: No, and that's that's one thing that's really
0: cool. The beach dust
1: pretty much set in stone. Yeah. And they've told us how long, how heavy everything is that we need to do. And then all the course is set up. Mm. So,
0: yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. It's going to be interesting, man. It'll be sick. Callie's actually on the live stream here on Facebook. You just said, I'm going to jump down there with my phone if I can. can yeah. Get a bit of BTS. I can still I'm still be over there that. in France, so Kelly, you're gonna have to be my little window into this event because I'm very, very curious. Yeah,
1: it'd be cool, to, yeah, to see how the sub community actually reacts to it. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I know the the sub community's got a lot of respect for us, the ones that know what we do as Iron Man. Oh yeah, and we've and you know, don't get me wrong, the Iron Man have got a lot of respect for the sub paddlers around the world. A lot of us have tried, mm. and you know, there's only really two that have taken it. <laughs> By the hands and run with it, which is Boothy in Lincoln, and look where they are now. So, mm. it's um, yeah, we've got a lot of respect for the SUP paddling, and they've hopefully got a lot of respect for what we do. So, for the SUP community to get on board behind this would be sick, you know, and yeah. it'd be amazing to see how how they react. Well, you know, whether it's negative too, if they go, "You guys look like idiots. <laughs> stop, stop doing that." Wait, are you wearing the speedos? No, 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 no. <laughs> Because that it, would get some shit. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, from the sup. If I rocked up on, in dick togs <laughs> on a sup board anywhere in the world, I think you're going to get a fair bit of abuse on it, yeah. Maybe in Italy somewhere you could pull that off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. on
0: the Riviera. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll be in uh, we'll be in jammers for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, speaking of respect, I got the world of respect for you, Maynard. So Thanks thank man. you for joining us here. I always thought you're an incredible athlete, but when I really heard about fuck the shit you've been through, it's absolutely um it's inspiring man yeah so thanks, um man. thanks for sharing
1: it with the the crew on paddlecast and yeah I hope well thanks for having me i've i've been tuned in listening to your podcast for sure and i think it's a you know what you've done for the world of sup is something pretty special and if it wasn't for guys like you you know i probably wouldn't be you know keeping up with what it is and and watching the races online and enjoying it so thank you mate and hopefully it gets bigger and better
0: yeah cheers man thank you been a pleasure. All right, we'll let you get back to work because yep. you get to go down there to the beach to actually save some people, and then um, probably spend another six hours of sabo training.
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: All right, we'll wrap it Thank up there. You. Cheers! Thanks for watching, everybody. Um, we're gonna head off to the Glagla Gla race in a couple of days, so there's gonna be a big live stream on Saturday. And if you just tuned in, you're a little bit late. We started about an hour and a half ago, but you'll be able to catch the full episode with Jackson Maynard on Spotify and YouTube later. Thanks for tuning in, crew. We'll see you soon.